God for Amen. All right. Well, Brother Chad's asked me to preach, and I'm honored that he did. And he's on a theme, a three, four-week theme called generosity. So we're talking about generosity. Here's a little statement I'd like you to memorize if it's at all possible. Always give thanks. Remember to forgive. Never be afraid to give. And you will have found a way to live. That's pretty much what I'm going to teach today. You see, there's three things there. The first thing to remember to do is always give thanks. Then remember to forgive. Never be afraid to give. And you will have found a way to live. So generosity. I'm talking about a whole lot more than our money today. Uh, Just giving thanks in itself. Brother Chad preached on giving thanks last Sunday. Powerful lesson. Awesome lesson. And you can be flat broke. You don't have two nickels to rub together. You can give thanks. Amen. We all can give thanks. And giving thanks and gratitude actually will lead you toward an attitude of generosity. So here's what we're going to talk about as an overview. Number one, generous giving is a key to the Christian life. Number two, generosity is the basis or the foundation of good stewardship. Generosity, number three, is a cure for selfishness, greed, covetousness, and materialism. And then number four, generosity helps produce contentment in our lives. It makes us happy. It honors God. makes me more like Jesus. And it brings blessing, prosperity, influence, and honor. So in a, in a nutshell, that's what we're going to run through real fast today. And hopefully, some of y'all are thinking, he wants my money. I don't need your money. I promise. I don't. Don't want it. But, but this thing's for you. It's, it'll teach you how to live a life that's so much more rewarding and satisfying and fulfilling. It's so much more contentment, so much more happiness when you learn to live your life generous. So generosity, what what do we give? Number one, we learn to give God thanks for everything and in everything. Gratitude produces generosity. So when you think about giving to God, always think about giving thanks. If you got a nasty attitude all the time, you're a pretty miserable person. You're an unhappy person if you're complaining and murmuring. But when you learn to give thanks, there's such a powerful key there when you generously just give God thanks, whether you feel like it or not, whether you're up or down, whether you're in or out, whether you're happy or you're sad, whether you're on the mountain or in the valley, whether it's the day season or the night season, just give Him thanks. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Just be generous with your thanks. You say, I don't have any money. Well, you, you got thanks. You got thanks. You can give thanks. Number two, what to give, forgive. For, give. Everybody that offends you. You say, well, what's forgiveness got to do with giving? It's got everything to do with giving. Because what you're doing is canceling the debts. You say, well, someone's offended me. They owe me an apology. Well, as long as you walk around thinking they owe you, you haven't forgiven them. Forgiving them is when you cancel that debt, they don't owe me anything anymore because I've already dealt with that. I've forgiven them. I'm talking about people that hurt you. It's a powerful, powerful thing for a Christian to learn to forgive everybody for all offenses. Just cancel the debts every day of your life. Walk in gratitude and walk in forgiveness. The number three thing, obviously, God wants your money. 
It's not you're going to find out. It's not your money anyway. It's his money. You're just managing his stuff. And not only your money, but your time, your energy, and your talents. And then fourthly, your entire being. As you grow in this stairway of, of giving, you learn just to give your whole life over to him. Praise the Lord. Freely give. Generosity. If I'm going to try to define it, it's liberal, generous, open-handed giving. Open-handed giving. Little babies come into the world. As soon as they come out of the womb, they got clenched fists. And we clench our fists all through life, taking, lusting, grabbing, getting, receiving, taking. When God wants us to live our lives with open hands. Because when you die, your hands open. And uh, you come into the world with clenched fists. You go out of this world with open hands. So learn to live life in an open-handed way of life. Matthew 10, 8, freely you have received, freely give. Proverbs 21, 26, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. They're generous. Generosity, here's a better definition, is the habit of giving freely without expecting anything in return. When you give to someone and you're expecting them to return something, you're really not giving because you're trading. You're trading. All right, I'm going to... I'm going to do something nice, but boy, they better write me a good thank you card or I'm going to be mad at them, you know. Or I'm going to give them a gift, and I'm expecting them to give me a gift of equal value back. You're just trading with people is all you're doing. You may even give a compliment, but you're expecting one back. And if you don't get one back, you feel cheated. Well, you didn't give them. That's not generous. You're just, again, trading. You're in the trading. But generosity is giving without expecting anything at all in return. Not even a thank you. You just give because you love to give. You give because you love the people that you're giving to. You give because you love your Lord. You realize that it's all his stuff. You give really in obedience to the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit leads and guides you through your life, you give in obedience when he tells you to give. Help that person. Bless that person. Smile at that person. Say something nice to that person. Give that person a dollar. Buy that person a cup of coffee. You maybe pay that person, go buy them some groceries. There's a million things that the Holy Spirit will lead you to do. So generosity is just giving under the influence of the Holy Spirit without expecting anything in return. Giving. God is love, and the nature of love is giving. Love is giving. Lust is taking. You're take, when you're lusting, you're taking. When you're loving, you're given. I love this third point. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. <laughs> you can give to someone even if you don't love them, especially if you're trading with people instead of really giving. But you cannot love without giving. Man, the people you love in your life, you're going to give to them. You're going to love your, your spouse, your family, your children. And that circle is supposed to get wider and wider and wider. Your church even to the point you learn to give to complete strangers if God leads you to. You can't love without giving. So learn to give generously and discover that the, the key of how to live the Christian life. What did Jesus give? He gave everything. He gave his last drop of blood. Jesus was the most generous human to ever live. I love this little quote. Generosity is doing something kind for somebody who will never be able to repay you generosity, helping people that can't possibly pay you back. 
Forgiveness, number two. We get, learn to give thanks. The second thing we learn is to remember to forgive. The very essence of the Christian life is about giving. God forgives us or erases our debt so we can forgive others. How many know you had an unpayable debt to God? Our sin was so great, it was unpayable. And we may have tried to work it off for years trying to you know, pay God back for that. But one day in your Christian life, you realize it's an unpayable debt. You'll never be able to work it off. And you finally receive what Jesus gave to you at Calvary's cross. Total forgiveness of all that debt that you owed God. Total forgiveness of every sin and every offense. See, we offended God. Our sin offended him. And he just forgave us. He just erased it. He just made it all go away. If you're a Christian today, you walk in forgiveness. That means instead of stained with sin, you're whiter than snow. He, he's, he's washed you clean. There's nothing standing between you and him if you're a believer today walking in the forgiveness of God. So forgiveness is canceling a debt owed to you. Forgive. Put a hyphen between for and give, and you understand you're, you're giving. When you're forgiving someone, you're giving to them because you're canceling that debt that they owe you. I like this. We pray the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do we really want God to forgive us at that level? If you're forgiving everybody, that's a really cool prayer. <laughs> but if you're holding out on someone that's not forgiving them, you're saying, God, you know, for forgive me half of what I've done wrong because I'm forgiven about half of what people have done to me. So you want to be real. The next verse, Matthew 6, 14 and 15, he even says it clearer than that. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So we find out that forgiveness is very conditional to the believer. Uh, to someone as first gets saved, there's no condition on that at all. When a, when a lost person repents and comes to the Lord and bends his knee at Calvary's cross, Jesus just floods him with his grace. There's nothing conditional about it. It's just God's unconditional love, unconditional grace. We'll just forgive him for everything. But as you become a believer and start understanding how to walk with God, you find out that this thing of called forgiveness is very conditional. And you don't want to walk around one day without God forgiving you. There's a continual reign of God's grace coming in my life as I walk under this forgiveness. Now, if I'm going to decide not to forgive someone, it's like putting an umbrella up where the grace of God can't touch me anymore. You know, I'm, I'm walking around with my bad attitude. So I, I'm not... I don't have the time to really elaborate on this subject of forgiveness, but I'm telling you right now, Christian, if you've got one person in your life that you're holding on to something nasty with and unforgiveness, if there's any seed of bitterness because someone hurt you deeply and you've never been able to let it go, I challenge you today to let it go. Cancel that debt. You see, this is a cool thing. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover the prisoner was you. You were the one in jail. Yeah, amen. You know that person that you really don't like? They're probably not even bothered by it. You're the one bothered by it. <laughs> You're the one. 
Wow. Okay, we'll move on. The law of reciprocity. Forgive. I like that. Luke 6.37 starts out with forgiveness. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. That means forgive a little, then you'll be forgiven just a little. Give a little, get a little. Give a lot, get a lot. It's the same, you're determining the measuring stick, not God. The law of reciprocity means God's going to reciprocate. You, you give a whole lot, you give extravagantly, God's going to bless you extravagantly. And you can prove the Lord on this in his, in his word. He challenges us to prove him in this area of tithes and offerings. Just give and, and you will be given. No one has ever become poor by giving. Because see, you're rich. When you learn to give, you're, you're rich. When you learn to walk in just this attitude of giving, uh, and giving thanks, forgiving, and giving your assets or your money, or your time, your energy, your talents. When you just keep giving this to the Lord, giving this to people that he instructs you to give to, you become the richest person on, on the earth. Stewardship. If I could give you three words when it deals with managing your money in relationship to God, it would be generosity, stewardship, and contentment. These are the three things we all got to grab to get the, get the whole picture of it. So stewardship, I bring that up when I talk about generosity because the truth is God owns everything. The Bible says he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. This verse in First Chronicles says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. In other words, God owns everything. Everything you see visibly is God's. He created it for his pleasure. He created it for his use, for his glory. So what you have in your purse, what you drove up here in, the home you left this morning, this is all God's stuff. And what stewardship is, is managing God's stuff. We don't own anything. He owns it all. As long as you think you own it, then, then you really don't have any idea or concept about what being a good steward is to the Lord. Being a good steward is, is managing on his behalf. And there's several parables in the Bible. I don't have time to go there, but there's the parable of the talents, the parable of the pounds, the parable of the faithful steward, and other parables deal with when the the, the good master's gone away and he's left us behind on the earth to see what we're going to do with what he's given us. Remember the parable of the talents? He gave one guy five, one guy two, one guy one. The guy with five doubled it. The guy with two doubled it. The guy with one just hid it in, the, in, a, in, in a napkin in the ground because he was scared that he was going to get in trouble, so he didn't even let it earn interest. And what God is saying is, what are you going to do with the stuff he gives you? What about just your talents or your abilities or the time that you had? Did you waste it on frivolous things or did you do it doing what God wanted you to do with this stuff? Are you being a good manager of God's provisions or God's stuff, God's assets? Do you give in accordance to being obedient to the Holy Spirit when he tells you to give? Do you give to that person in that amount 
specifically the way God tells you to give. Survey says only 5 to 7% of church-going Christians give 10% or more of their gross income. That blew me away. So I dug that up and searched it out for myself. And there's several surveys out there. Five to seven percent. And by the way, here at Return Church, we're blessed with this beautiful building. And we've never had a financial crisis. And we've been able to hire outstanding pastors. We're just excited about our new pastors here. Amen. And that's because we got some of the most generous people in the world right here in this room. I mean, it's amazing, your generosity. I'm not talking about generosity because you aren't generous. I'm talking about generosity because Pastor Chad asked me to speak on generosity. <laughs> no, the truth is, you know, I consider myself a giver. That's my spiritual gift. I'm, I'm a giver. More so than any other thing, that if I look at all the spiritual gifts, that's, that's what I'm blessed with. So I consider myself a generous person. But doing this study on generosity, guess what it has done to me? It's made me want to be more generous. It's, I start asking myself, all right, am I really generous? Am I like the widow that put in her two mites? Or am I the rich guy giving out of his abundance? You know, how generous really am I? Because I want to be as generous as God wants me to be, and not a penny less. So anyway, God's Word does teach believers to pay tithes and offerings. Brother Chad and Sister Rachel did a, they're doing an outstanding job on that Wednesday night Facebook uh, Bible study they give us. Yeah, amen. You should clue into that. If you don't watch that, you really should. They've been going through the book of Hebrews. And this past week, they got talking about tithing. And tithing is such an unpopular subject. Why? Because only five to seven people, churchgoers, actually pay tithes. So they'd rather pretend, well, that's for the Old Testament believers. Well, the truth is, even Jesus taught you should tithe. He said you should do that. Just don't leave the other stuff undone. And uh, so I learned tithing as a young teenage boy as a Southern Baptist. My mom and dad taught me to tithe. That wasn't a great revelation, something took me years to learn. I, knew, I learned that, one of the very first things I learned. And even when I was far away from the Lord, for several years, my, the Baptist preacher that married me got busted importing cocaine, and it kind of set me back spiritually for a while. I was a young man, and I just didn't want anything to do with church for a while. But when I quit church, I never quit tithing. I would still mail my check into the church I didn't go to church for a seven-year period of time, but I still tithed. And uh, God still blessed me financially. Even though I was all messed up spiritually, financially, God blessed me because he said, prove me. See if I won't bless you. I'll open the windows of heaven. So that I don't teach you have to tithe as a percentage. I teach that should be the minimum of what you give. We should, as New Testament believers... God asks a lot more than 10% out of me every year of my life. Every week, every month, this continually, there's things to give to, and God's always got me given. So tithing should be the minimum, not, not this maximum number that you just can't bear to reach. Just learn to give. Don't put a number on it. Just, just start learning to walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit every day and just watch when he tells you to give to people. 
You say, I'll be broke if I give like that. No, you won't. You'll be rich. You get richer. The more you give, are you following that line of thinking? All right, I'm going to hurry. It's 12 o'clock, and I'm, going to, I'm not going to keep you all on. Generosity is a cure. This is my third point for selfishness, greed, materialism, and covetousness. Read Matthew 6, 24 with me. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So you can't have both. You can't let money be a God. If you're serving money, it means you're trusting money, you're loving money, you've made money an idol. And money is not worth that. There's only one God, and only him should you love and trust and serve and obey. So uh, you got to understand your net worth does not determine your self-worth. And I've never seen a U-Haul following, you know, a hearse to the graveyard. You can't take it with you. I promise you that. It's not yours anyway to take with you. It's God's. Again, if you're just being a steward and you're managing what he's given you, then you're not all worked up over it. So selfishness, greed, materialism, and covetousness are all about lusting, getting, or taking. Where generosity is about giving open-handedly you know self it's a it's a cure for selfishness remember when mary poured out the spikenard on jesus's feet and it was it was 300 denarii which was a year's wages for a common working person it, you know would it be like you know ten twenty thousand dollars worth of this spice that she just poured out on jesus's feet and remember how it made judas mad he got angry and said, we could have given that money to the poor. And then the Bible even talks in John 12, it, you know, it says Jesus wasn't concerned about the poor. He was the money keeper, and he stole out of the money box. So it makes, you know, sometimes when I give to people, other people look in and see what I'm doing, and they say, you're wasting your money. You're, you're just, that person's taking advantage of you. No, I'm just giving. You say, well, they they they're not going to give back. Well, I know that. That's what generosity is, giving without expecting anything in return. So uh, don't be a Judas and be angry when someone gives extravagantly. Mary gave extravagant generosity, just pouring all that spikenard out on the feet of Jesus. Praise the Lord. We should use money and love people. If you love money, you will use people. That's a mouthful right there. Praise the Lord. The remedy for greed is generosity. Maybe we need to ask God if he's pleased with our lifestyles. See, because I can always look at somebody richer than me and say, oh, they're rich. Look how selfish they are because they're living so large, you know. I have a problem. I've been needing to buy a new truck. My truck's nine years old. But, man, I've been wrestling in prayer over this, and God hadn't given me any peace at all about buying a new truck so I'm just going to keep the truck I've got until the Lord tells me I can get a new one and I just I hope I don't start breaking down on the side of the roads what I'm hoping there but anyway but I'm always asking myself how large should I live should I spend money on myself or should that money go toward you know feeding the poor or giving to the church or you know where does God want my money it's something we should all ask ourselves we should ask ourselves, how generous am I really? Am I really generous? How large should I live? 
See, because our money, what we do with our money says a whole lot about our relationship with God. We're born selfish, everybody, but we're born again generous. Born selfish, born again generous. So if you got Christ living in your heart, as that grows in your life, your generosity will grow. The more you become like Christ, the more generous you become. The more generous you are, the more Christ-like you become. Praise the Lord. Extravagant generosity. Oh, this is the widow's mite story. Let me read this to you. This is pretty cool. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Biggest gift I ever gave in relation to what I own was 800 bucks. Back when I was a 17-year-old kid, my Baptist preacher that I loved so much was raising this money for this special project, and I had $1,000 to my name. That was all I had. That took care of. I had expenses. I was already out of the house. I had apartment rent to pay and all this stuff, but boy, the Lord put it on me. I gave 800 of the 1000 and uh, God supernaturally blessed me right around the corner and gave that back. But I never will forget that because I wasn't even afraid. That when you're 17, 18 years old, you're too dumb to know you need the money anyway. You know, you just, I wasn't afraid of it. I just gave it because I felt compelled by the Spirit to give it. As I mentioned, Mary's pound, poured, the fragrance she poured on Jesus' feet was extravagant. As a year's worth of wages. David, when they were building the temple, he gave, if you look up all the gold and the silver and the weight of it and put today's value on it, he gave $2.6 billion to the temple in gold, extravagant giving. And see, once you realize God owns it all, then there's no gift that's too much if you're obeying him. You don't have to be rich to be generous. Again, you may not even have a dollar to your name. You can give thanks, and you can forgive. So if you'll just do your work right there, giving thanks and forgiving, well, you can get a lot of giving done today with no before you spend a dollar. Does that make sense to you? Are you all tracking with me here? All right. Contentment. And see, generosity leads to contentment. And contentment's what's important. The older I get... You know, to have a peaceful mind, I've got to be content. And if you're always struggling and striving, trying to keep up with the Joneses, needing more, lusting for more, coveting more, got to always, you know, go up bigger, you're not content. You're missing it because, see, God wants us to live a peaceful, contented life. So this is a long scripture, but I'm going to read it to you. It's 1 Timothy 6, 5 through 10. Men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing the gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. So start right there. If there's any preacher you're listening to that's teaching you that gain is godliness, he's saying, get away from that person. Withdraw. Turn that preacher off. Don't listen to that guy again. These prosperity preachers are just preaching a bunch of hogwash. They're, they're trying to tell you that if... If you're rich, you must be godly. God must be pleased with your life if you've got a lot. That's not what we see in the Bible. There were rich people in the Bible. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they had plenty. David and Solomon, they had plenty. 
But it doesn't ever say that every Christian is going to be rich. So if they say God is, gain is godliness, get away from them. Withdraw yourself. All right, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, it's certain we carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Is, can we preach this in America in 2020? Food and clothing, that's enough. Food and clothing, be content. Can we, can we preach this really? I love this kind of thinking right here. I love it when it goes against what our everyday culture is doing. It goes against what our society is all about. It goes against what all my training as a young boy was. I always thought I had to make a whole bunch of money to be successful to make my life worth something. And it never was about money. He says here, with food and raiment, let us therewith be content. And then he goes on to say, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and the many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, while, which while some coveted after they've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Does it say money's the root of all evil? The love of money is the root of all evil. You can't serve, trust, obey God and money. You've got to decide which one you're following here. And I'm, I can testify, I've walked for years with the love of money. For years, I spent a big segment of my life thinking, as a Christian, but yet still putting money first, not realizing I was putting money first, but money was number one. And uh, man, it causes a lot of misery. It causes a lot of sadness. It causes uh, just an unhappy life completely when money's number one. Money's important, but it's, I'm not going to love it. I'm not going to serve it. I'm not going to trust it. I'm not going to put my security in it. It's not my God. Amen. And what it's really there for is for me to give away. So I'm going to be more generous. You're going to see a human being get more and more and more generous as we go. I'm, I'm wrapping up. There's just a couple more little verses I want to share with you on generosity. Because generosity will make you happy. The Bible says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. So you get blessed by giving. And my comment there, as, as a child, the joy is in receiving a gift. As an adult, the joy is in giving a gift. Now, I remember Christmas time when I was a kid, that was such a big deal. It was huge. I mean, we hardly slept the night before. We're so excited to wake up at daylight and run to the tree and see what Santa left me. I mean, it was huge. We pretended to believe in Santa even after we didn't, just to keep the, keep the deal going the way it was, man. It was, a, it was huge. But as an adult, you know, it's all right to receive gifts, but it's not huge anymore. It's not a big deal. The joy is watching my grandchildren get excited. The whole thing now is just watching Sadie and Sophie smile and hope I can make them squeal or scream when they open their gift. So as young Christians, it was great to receive. But as a mature Christian, it's, it's great to give. The joy is in the giving. The happiness is in the giving. Generosity honors and gives glory to God. So Proverbs 14, 31, those who oppress the poor insult their maker. 
but helping the poor honors him. So we honor God by helping the poor. 2 Corinthians 9, 12. Paul is talking about this big offering they were taking up for the church in Jerusalem. And he said, two good things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. So it gives honor to God and gives glory to God when people give, when people are generous and give tithes and offerings to the church. Generosity makes me more like Jesus. Jesus was the most generous person to ever live, period. We have been saved because of the generosity of Jesus. The more godly we are, the more generous we become. The more generous we are, the more godly we become. Amen. And just a couple more scriptures makes me more like Jesus. Jesus was scolding the Pharisees. You don't really pick this up in the King James, but if you look in the New Living Translation, this is an amazing verse. The Lord said to him, to them, you Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? Now look at this. So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor, and you will be clean all over. Wow, I bet you've maybe never even read that, have you? In the King James, it just says gives alms. And when you're talking about giving alms, that's what that means, giving gifts to the poor. He's saying it'll make you more godly. It will clean your cup. It will clean your life by giving. And it brings God's blessing. Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Proverbs 22.9, Deuteronomy 15.10, Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. That's powerful. And then it brings, finally, the last point, it brings prosperity, influence, and honor. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. And then Psalms 1:12:9. they share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. So generosity brings prosperity, it brings influence, and it brings honor. And giving is a key to the Christian life. You can't take it with you. And you don't own it anyway. Remember those two keys. We're just managing God's stuff. And your net worth doesn't determine your self-worth. So let's say this together. If you could memorize this and keep, maybe you could put a, some, uh, some music to it and sing it all week long so you could memorize it. It would be powerful. Let's say it together. Always give thanks. Remember to forgive. Never be afraid to give, and you will have found the way to live. That's powerful right there. So that's the lesson today on generosity. Give thanks, give forgiveness, and give your money to the Lord. Amen. Brother Steve.